Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. Now, as we usually do on Wednesdays after Mayor Adams' Tuesday news conferences, our lead Eric Adams reporter, Elizabeth Kim, joins us with clips and analysis. But today we have kind of a special edition because our Albany reporter, John Campbell, is joining too. Why? Because yesterday, both Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul, just to make the heads explode of reporters like us, gave their annual budget addresses on the same day. And if that sounds bureaucratic and wonky, uh, budget addresses, remember the budget is where the rubber of nice political speeches meets the road of what actually gets funded and who gets helped or hurt, right? And most of you know about the tensions around the budget recently, especially in the city, with the cuts to libraries and so many other things that the mayor had imposed, caused, he said, by the overwhelming new expenses from so many asylum seekers coming all at once. Well, he's actually dialing some of those cuts and that language back a bit, as we'll hear. As for Governor Hochul, she's got her own budget issues, but here's what she says her budget can accomplish. This budget proves that you can have fiscal discipline, and that can coexist with people-driven progressive policies. Progressive policies like rebalancing which districts get how much state education funding already causing a backlash in some school districts that will explain. Hi, Liz and John. Welcome to our Wednesday meetup. Good morning, Brian. Hi, Brian. Liz, my head is exploding from the two of them giving their budget addresses on the same day and me trying to get familiar with the details of both enough to have this conversation in a non-stupid way. So why did they time it this way, which I think is unique or at least very unusual? Well, I think you're right. I think it is unusual, and the mayor was asked about it. So technically, he does have to deliver it by the 16th, although I'm saying technically, but, you know, it's not like anything is going to happen if he decides to give it a day or a few days later. But, you know, when he was asked why, he says, you know, because it's it's due by the 16th. And I think the mayor is a person who likes to adhere to deadlines. Um, You know, the other theory was that, you know, the political press corps has now now has to split their attention and coverage on these two 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 different speeches. You know, Hochul gave hers in the morning and then Adams followed. So it's a lot for the political press corps to digest. So I, I don't know. Cynics might have their own theory about why they decided to do it that way. A lot of people might say, hmm, I could think of a lot of other rules that Eric Adams decided not to follow, but that's another show. But John, uh, same question from the governor's side. It's a similar explanation. I mean, the the governor constitutionally has to to deliver the speech by the, uh, it fell on the 16th this year, so it's the same idea. I mean, they don't ever do anything early in Albany. Uh, But that said, yeah, I mean, usually you've got the the governor's budget address first, the budget proposal, the city gets a better understanding of, of what kind of state aid they might be getting, and then the city goes, but didn't happen this time. And I'm looking at the headlines on Gothamist of each of your stories. Um, Liz, yours is Mayor Adams reduces cuts to schools, libraries, and elderly services with his $109 billion budget. John, your headline is Governor Hochul unveils 
2024 budget with $2.4 billion for migrant spending. So let's go through each of these a little bit. Liz, I see you asked the mayor yesterday at the news conference about the library cuts. Want to set up the clip of his response? Sure. So over the weekend, the mayor said that he would not impose another cut on the libraries. Now, that another cut would have meant that many branches would lose Saturday service. Now, if you remember, in November, they also got a cut, and that resulted in them losing Sunday service. So um, I reported the news, and then Mayor Adams later in the day came out with a video sort of confirming that. What I wanted to ask the mayor was, you know, some critics said, okay, so he didn't impose another cut. But hey, Mayor, what about restoring? You know, he in his video, he talked about how important libraries are. He called them the great equalizer, right? So then the mm. question, it begs the question, why not restore the cut that you made last fall? It's really just, it's $24 million. It's, you know, many people would consider that a drop in the bucket. And this was his response. Uh, the libraries had the decision to determine how they were going to do their pegs. They made the determination of taking away those weekend services. They made the decision of doing that. Uh, we thought that was too draconian, and we uh, um, held them harmless. But they have to make the decisions. And this is an all-hands-on-deck moment of, you know, you know, some of them have almost $1.5 billion in uh, uh, endowment. Come on. we got to all step up. Wow, burn on the heads of the libraries in New York City, how the library leaders responded. So when the mayor came out with his announcement on Sunday that he would that he would hold the libraries harmless, they did come out with a statement in which they thanked the mayor for sparing them. I mean, you have to remember, you know, the libraries have are really good at doing what they do when it comes to budget cuts, but they do have to be careful too. You know, um, the mayor sort of, in a way, blaming them for those those cuts is a, is a kind of an interesting move. Um, the libraries have, in the past, they've pointed out that the city has a, a a mandate. Basically, they are obligated to provide operating expenses for the three library systems, and you know that goes back to sort of um, a, an agreement that the libraries made, you know, many, many decades ago. And they often point to that agreement as to why the city has to provide them with operating expenses. Aside from that, I think, you know, people who are professional fundraisers will often point out that you don't typically use an endowment to pay for keeping the lights on. You know, the endowment is often used, you know, for very big capital investments. Like, you know, you want to start a new wing, you want to expand, you know, the children's section. So that's usually what the donors come come to the library to want to give. It's not, I, I'm going to give you money so that you can, you know, you can, you can maintain the Sunday service. I, it, mm -hmm. I don't know that that's typically how fun, how that kind of, I think that's a, that's a more difficult ask of donors. All right. So that's the libraries for the moment. Then there's the big picture. And John, be patient. We'll come to you in just a minute for the Hochul budget and how it ties into all of this. Then there's the big picture of the better news overall on the city budget that the mayor announced. Here's the mayor on that. Could we have properly forecasted um, the actions of, of, of Governor Abbott? 
And so we saw real fiscal responsibility of a moving target of one week here surge, one week he wouldn't. Uh, did we know that we were going to automatically be able to get uh, uh, 60% of the people out of our care? No, we did not. Uh, as we went on, and Deputy Mayor Williams Isom came up with these various ideas, um, this amazing feat of stabilizing and, and having people become self-sufficient was all part of it. So I understand that some people want to politicize this, and I got it. You know, but we have to remain focused during these times. So, Liz, should we hear that as something other than the budget dance that takes place every year, but this is a somewhat more extreme version of it? The mayor always announces that the cuts are going to be more draconian than they're going to need to be. The city council always starts to push back. And then, oh, look, we're getting more tax revenue than we anticipated. And they come to some agreement that includes some cuts, but, you know, it feels good because they stop beating your head against the wall for more cuts, like you were describing about the libraries before. Or, or is this something really different? So everybody's been trying to dissect this. And, you know, I spoke to like a long time sort of veteran fiscal expert about this and whether this felt different to him. And, you know, the answer he gave me was like, yes, because there it, it does feel like there have been some dramatic swings in in messaging and in really only days, you know, uh, up until he he announced his budget yesterday. Um, you know, well, the, meaning dramatic swings in the amount of burden that the asylum seekers are placing on the city budget services in all other respects, right? Well, what happened was last week the mayor started restoring certain cuts that he had made in November. They were unpopular cuts. So he restored some cuts to police, fire, sanitation, parks, and schools. So the timing of that was very interesting because you know so in the lead up to his budget he decides that he's going to restore money in the in the large scheme of things it's not a lot of money it's around 200 million dollars and he made roughly you know 3.7 billion in cuts in uh -huh. november uh -huh. but it was interesting and he was forced to sort of explain this because you know we've been told for months consistently and even in the lead up to last week that we are facing a very dire situation that mayor said, you know, he, he doesn't want to make these choices, but he has to. So then all of a sudden we see this coming around. And, you know, like one thing that, um, you know, one of the council members has said, Justin Brannon, who chairs the finance committee, he made this kind of a joke, you know, the, the budget dance. But who is the mayor dancing with? With is he? It looks like he's dancing with himself. And a couple of other people have sort of repeated that too, because the question becomes, you know, the budget dance is about posturing, right? In the beginning, mm -hmm. we all assumed that to a certain degree, the mayor wanted to send a message to Washington and also Albany that the city needs help with the migrant crisis. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, one week before he's scheduled to give his budget, he then kind of shifts and rolls back some of those cuts. And then on the day of the budget itself, we do see him also scale, scale back plan cuts to other agencies as well. So, you know, he's not leaving this up. He's not waiting for the negotiation with the council to start. He's already rolling back some of the cuts even prior to that negotiation with the council. 
Listeners, if you're just joining us, we're talking to our City Hall reporter, Elizabeth Kim, and our Albany reporter, John Campbell, about the confluence of Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul releasing uh, their major budget proposals for the forthcoming fiscal years on the same day yesterday. And this isn't so much of a call-in segment because we have a little, uh, we have a lot of material to get through just explaining the likely impacts and the politics of how these will or will not get through the city council and state legislature. But we could take a call or two if you have a very relevant question, 212-433-WNYC, call or text, 212-433-9692. Now, John, related to what we were just discussing with Liz, one of the headlines from the state budget is an increase of about half a billion dollars in funding for the city to help with migrant services. And here's a clip of the governor on why she's proposing that. We also know that companies won't do business in New York if there are thousands of people sleeping on the streets or the quality of life is dramatically impacted because the city is forced to cut essential services. So give us the basic numbers in this area, John, and what the governor announced that's new. Yeah, the the basic numbers are uh, about $2.4 billion total in in migrant services spending in the governor's budget proposal for the coming fiscal year that starts April 1st. That's $500 million more than the $1.9 billion in the current years. And the big difference there is the state is going to take on the costs uh, associated with with two of these temporary shelters, these tent-based shelters that are out there. It's it's the Randall's Island shelter and the Creedmoor facility in uh, in Queens, and that's about three thousand beds that the state is going to take on the cost of. They already the state already is funding the Floyd Bennett Field uh, temporary shelter in Brooklyn. They're going to add those other two to the mix. That is the big thing. Now, one of the interesting things here is. That extra $500 million is going to come from the state's reserves, their, their rainy day funds, which Governor Hochul has built up to about $20 billion. It's been a source of pride for her. She's going to tap into that for that extra $500 million. It's really the first time she's tapped into that fund. Um, tell us about, um, well, what, what does that do for the city? Um, uh Two two and a half. So they were already the sorry. The state was already giving the city about two billion dollars for those various things you just mentioned that are ongoing. So now it's two and a half billion dollars. Uh, I guess this question is really for you, Liz. Is the mayor reacting with a lot of gratitude or with a shrug, like like Hey, Gov, it should be a lot more than that. I would say his the tone he struck was he was cautiously optimistic. You know, yesterday he said, we need more time to dig into the numbers, but if it looks okay, um, there's a chance that he might, you know, he was going to order cuts again in April. So he said, you know, based on, you know, these numbers, he might consider not going ahead with another cut. And with these cuts still on the horizon, to some degree, as you've been explaining, both the mayor and the governor happened to mention that they are not raising taxes on the wealthiest New Yorkers or businesses. Here's another seven seconds of Governor Hochul. Today, New Yorkers will learn about how we're presenting a solid, balanced budget without cuts or added burdens. And by added burdens, John, she means no tax hikes? 
Yeah, and, and specifically she's referring to property tax. I'm sorry, income tax hikes. Income tax is the state's biggest generator of revenue, and Governor Hochul, since she's taken office, has been steadfast against increasing in income taxes in New York, including on the wealthiest New Yorkers. And that really sets her up into this this battle with some of the more progressive members of the legislature who have been pushing for higher income tax rates on the wealthy and, and are going to continue to do so so they can you know, fund some other projects that they want, added public transit, things like that. That's why they want higher taxes on the wealthy. The governor has, has made the case that we have to live with, within our means and also that increasing taxes, you know, you don't want to drive out the wealthiest New Yorkers who, uh, who, who contribute an oversized share of the state's tax revenues. Right. But we've been talking on this show and people have been talking elsewhere about the recent research that seems to show wealthy people and businesses are not leaving the state to avoid New York tax rates. Rather, it's lower and middle income people leaving because they can afford housing and other private sector costs. So do you expect to see progressive legislators try to add an income tax hike on the wealthiest uh, individuals or businesses in the state? And that's going to be a, a big fight between them and the governor? Yes, absolutely, I do. And and the governor kind of undercut her argument a little bit last week. She had made a point that a lot of the, the wealthier New Yorkers who move out of New York State are moving, I'm sorry, a lot of the people who, who move out of New York State are moving to, say, New Jersey and Connecticut, who also have high income tax rates. So she kind of, that was kind of surprising. Right. She made and that California, point last week. And California was another state that's a destination state, high tax state as well. They're not going to Florida and Mississippi so much. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the idea is, yes, this is going to be a battle between the governor and the, the legislature. I'm not quite sure where the legislative leaders, the, the Senate leader and the assembly leader are going to land on that. But there will be a sustained push from progressive lawmakers and progressive advocacy groups to increase taxes on the wealthy. Listener texts this question. Question for Brian and the budget team. Lots of talk of cuts. Did anything get increased spending? Seems like migrant spending got the bulk of the increases. I'll ask each of you. Liz, at the city level? You know, I... Um you know, there's a lot of pages to go through, but, you know, from what the mayor talked to us yesterday, you know, it wasn't about necessarily – he did restore cuts last year. So – I'm sorry. He did restore cuts that he made last year. So if you consider that that an increase, although it's not really, right. that was like – like I said, that was roughly – 200 million that he restored. So that's not really adding. But no, generally what happened was he ordered most agencies to take a 5% cut. And then what ultimately happened was he scaled back some of those cuts. So yeah. there was no, I, so I don't believe no there was real a, yeah. new initiatives there. And John, what about at the state level? Because the governor's state of the state speech last week was long on the need for new affordable housing and taking more seriously mental health in the state. So do we see that language translated to numbers in the budget? The short answer is yes, uh, especially on the mental health side. There's a lot of different new initiatives that the governor is pushing and putting money behind. I mean, she's putting 40 or so million dollars behind a, a plan to open more mental health clinics in schools. She's putting 
65 million dollars for behind an effort to open 200 new inpatient beds for mental health support things of that nature are are throughout this budget and she did put her housing plan that's that's more of a, a, a policy uh, area that she added to the budget that's uh, always happens in New York budgets um, yeah she put through her plan that she wants to incentivize housing growth by allowing only allowing local governments to to apply for certain state grants uh, if they create new housing, if they become a, quote, pro-housing community, as the governor calls it. And, John, in our last three minutes or so, let me ask you to touch two other state budget issues, which are really huge, and probably uh, we should do separate segments on them in the coming weeks. Uh, But one is the education funding formula, state aid to school districts, and why that is instantly controversial. Yeah, the governor wants to eliminate a, a pro- policy called hold harmless. And basically it's been in place for years and it says school districts, you know, we're going to plug your we're going to plug the state aid into a formula. It's going to cough out your your the number of, of dollars that you're going to get from the state. It's based on population. It's based on enrollment. But if that formula says that you're supposed to get less money than you got the year before, we're going to scrap that. You're going to get at least as much money as you got the year before. The governor wants to get rid of that because essentially she says it's outdated and it, you know, it, it doesn't. It, there are many, many schools that have had decreases in enrollment and are still getting the same amount of state funding. She wants to get rid of that provision. That is going to be a huge fight, particularly on Long Island, in the Hudson Valley areas that she's battled with before and areas that are very important suburban battlegrounds. That's going to be a big battle going forward. Right. And we've talked on the show many times about how basing um, school district budgets on local property taxes perpetuates inequality because obviously high-income districts with very valuable homes generate a lot more property taxes, and so there's a lot more money per student uh, in those school districts. And it's state aid that is intended to um, level that playing field somewhat. So it seems like the governor is trying to do that a little more aggressively, and there's going to be backlash uh, from some of those better-off districts. And tell us very briefly about the Medicaid uh, burden increasing for the state, financially speaking. You know, we've been talking about private health insurance going up. Is Medicaid going to cost New York State a lot more this year, and why? Short answer, yes. And part of the reason why, in part, is because the population is aging. There are, are baby boomers enrolling in uh, who are enrolled in Medicaid that need long-term care. That is something that has increased significantly in, in recent years, and particularly this year. So, yes, that's going up. At the same time, the governor is identifying, is pledging certain cuts, but we don't really know what those cuts are going to be. At least 400 million of them are are not yet determined. There's $200 million in, in cuts that she's going to negotiate with the, the healthcare industry. So we don't have a ton of details there, but... Yes, overall costs are going down, but at the same time, she's trying to identify some savings. All right. To come in these coming weeks on this show as the Albany budget debate uh, goes on before the fiscal year begins April 1st, the education funding formula as a discrete conversation and the costs of Medicaid and what to do about it as a discrete segment. For today, we thank our Albany reporter, John Campbell, 
and our City Hall reporter, Elizabeth Kim, read both of their articles on both the city and the state budgets on Gothamist. John and Liz, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian.